There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello, I'm Jordan Smith. And I'm Ben Smith, and you're listening to Yes Chef. This is the podcast where we go in search of our favourite chefs. Across some of London's top restaurants and top kitchens. Where we sit down and we find out what makes them tick. If you like food, you like chefs, you love this. Bon app. Hello, Yes Chef listeners. Welcome to the little episode. This week we've got Tom Brown. Of Cornerstone in Hackney Wick. It's an absolute beauty of a restaurant. It is indeed. So we recorded this back in the summer of 2018 in Hackney Wick. It was gorgeous day as well, wasn't it? You had your shorts on. Legs I had my out. shorts on. I remember when we turned up, they sorted out our breakfast for us. We had like a nice little breakfast platter and we little were very buffet. impressed, weren't we? A little buffet. We had some coffees. Um, he's really cool. Obviously, Cornwall based. It's all about the fish. All about the fish. Cornerstone, his new restaurant is all fish based, to be honest, but there's something really cool and exciting. And obviously, as music fans, me and Ben, the fact it's been named for an Arctic Monkeys song. Hey, let's find out all about it. Took yourself up. Took yourself in. Let's begin. You've been um, busy last night. Honestly, everyone keeps telling us that August's quiet. Everyone's like, oh yeah, August's quiet. Enough. But our last two weeks are our top weeks since we opened. We did like 80 odd people in here on, uh, on Wednesday. And it's like, we're, honestly, we, t- we, we turn away probably 20 people a when night, like bookings, honestly, because yeah. we can't fit them in. Location-wise as well, though, I mean, when you chose here, did you have other options? Did you go around and go, actually, that's the one? When I started looking, I was, I was very fortunate. I think a lot of people's temptation when they go out on their own is to, um, is to get big investment and then go more central, so you know you've got the footfall. Mm. Um, but... It's not something that I, I, I actively wanted to do. I knew, I knew I could get a little bit of um, money from, from my family as a loan. So I tried to keep that as like a benchmark. We had sort of areas that we wanted. So um, we were looking in like Brixton, Islington. Um, we looked at some in sort of Southwest that weren't, weren't right at all. And then, you know, Hackney, Peckham we looked at as well. But Hackney was always the one that um you were drawn that to. I was drawn to yeah because I, I I used to hang hang out a lot here with with friends and and Hackney Wick in particular and it was like it was the dream spot was mm. was Hackney Wick um and do you know like as much as anything else I felt like the air, the area was was ready yeah that there wasn't anything of note here yeah. before it's it's when when I was looking at sites and I, and I looked at here um 
I spoke to um, Tom Harris from The Marksman and, and John Rotherham, who, who are very good friends. Um, I was talking about Hackney Wick and I was like, what do you think? I mean, you know, it's, east, it's very east. And they were like, everyone will tell you, you need to make sure people travel here. Yeah. And all of them are wrong because they're, the, the, the demograph is there. They live, they, they, live in, they live next door to you. And do you know, what, do you know the, the best thing about this area? It's the community. Yeah. So you feel at home because you can see you feel relaxed, man. I love it. Honestly, I cycled down this morning through Fish Island and you can see everyone working away and they're all setting up things. It went past like Crate and Mixed Garage and I was thinking, oh, I haven't been to Crate for a while and oh, I haven't been to Mixed Garage for a while. And it's like, I, I just thought to myself, I absolutely love this area. Like I could live here for the rest of my life. Like absolutely. I do. Yeah. I, I enjoy, I love coming here. I love going through the Olympic park. I love going home at night and you see all Stratford lit up and I just think I'm lucky. You know, sh- being a chef's an odd job, right? You come in and it's long hours and you know, especially when you, when you make that transition from chef to chef restaurateur and it's a lot of stress. But like for me, it's the people that, go and sit on their ass and watch eight hours of telly a day that, that are the, the, the ones that, that have it bad. Like, I think, you know, I get to come in and do what I love every single day in an area I love, mm. surrounded by people that I love. I've got, you know, this team, the team I've got, they're, they're, they're unbelievable. Every one of them, this, you know, they make me happy every day. Mm-hmm. And, and the people around here do it. It's just like every day you, you go home with a little buzz. Yeah. Like, my dad always used to say that to me. Like my dad, my dad's like the hardest working man I've ever met. Like he's just the the biggest grafter you'll ever know. He's the most Cornish bloke of all time as well. He said, and he just always used to say, if you can if you can finish your day of work and look back and 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 be happy with what you've done, he was like, that's all that's all you want. And it's it's so true. And that's that's what we do here. Well, I think on that note, now we're talking, we're going back a bit. I think we should start start our um, our nice little talking points and go right back, if you don't mind, Tom. I mean, like, obviously, we know the Cornish, um, we know your roots and all that kind of thing. We want to kind of pull it, pull it back. Um, we're going to ask everyone that we have on, I mean, like, right at the start, want your first food memory? So, my, f- my first food memory, um, my first significant food memory, I would say, is, is with my dad again. And my dad's not, not an amazing cook, but um, as kids, we always used to go fishing. Like obviously, um, being in Cornwall, there's not a lot else to do. So we used to go fishing a lot. There's a place in Cornwall called Low Bar, and it's near it's near Helston. And what you get at Low Bar, you get uh, it's a big sandy beach, and there's a massive drop off, and it makes these big rip currents. It's a really dangerous beach, actually. Really, you know, you never go swimming there, but there's a big drop off, almost like a shelf under the water, and you get lots of fish there. So we used to go fishing there, and we used to catch um, lots of rays. You get these little, they're called thornback rays. Um, so they're quite small, beautiful fish, like, um, big sort of mottled, um, black and brown, uh, markings. And they got these big spines on their back and, um, we used to catch them. So, so dad would, dad would, uh, cook them up. It was his, it was his favorite fish. Like, so that's the one I remember he used to, used to come home, chop the wings off. Um, and then pour a boiling kettle over them because they got this leathery skin. Like I said about the spines, they got this big leathery skin, so they're really hard to skin. So you got to pour a boiling kettle over them and then just peel them off like that with a pair of pliers. Dad used to have a pair of pliers. Oh my God. Pair, pair oh, of pliers. B&Q, pair, pair of pliers and a tea towel. So he'd put, so he'd start to lift them up, tea towel on, pull it off with the pliers like that, wash them in a little bit of milk, flour, and then pan fry them in a bit of butter. And I'll tell you what, it's like, it's amazing. Oh. We still got it on, we, we got it on, we cook it a little bit nicer, do you know what I mean? Don't <laughs> tell it, like, Same pliers though, Pop right? it up a little level. Yeah, yeah, still got the pliers on. So but, how, um, how old are you at this point? Oh, 
seven, wow. seven, eight years old. I mean, we're probably doing it before I can remember, but like that's, that's, that, that's the first sort of yeah food memory. Do you know what I mean? That's yeah. the one that really sticks. So you said your, your dad wasn't the best cook in your house. So who, no. what, who was the cook in your house? Um, it would be mum. Mum, mum was, mum's a good cook. Like mum does a, she does a bang up, you know, all the mum stuff. She does a good roast. She does like good casseroles, like, bakes and the, the trademark dishes yeah what was the trademark like what was the kind of like friday night you know buzzing for that one if 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 mum was making pasties obviously i hate to be a cliche do you know what i mean but if mum was making pasties you know you're onto a good one then she's she's she does a good one and she does she used to do, i remember she used to do these ones for my dad and like do you know what i mean it was like a surfboard like it's just honestly is it such a big thing so basically homemade pasties in cornwall is that like a yeah. norm yeah, yeah. It's not uh, like every it, you, you. You can't be a Cornish mum if you don't know how to make a pasty. Like, would, honestly, would you have a pasty for breakfast? What and lunch and dinner? Yeah, 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 yeah. We have them every Saturday. They probably they, have we got the pasties in, Chris? Past, pasties are here. Yeah, come in tonight. Yeah, we have them every Saturday because uh, Christian, my head chef, he's he's Cornish as well. So every every Saturday we get pasties sent up from Cornwall for the uh, for the staff. You should so. put one on the wall. See, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a, from being up north, the pies was a big thing when I was growing up, massive. Still and my is, mate, mate. Yeah, my mate from Charlie, I used to go to his as well, and he used to have this thing called butter pies. Oh, butter pies. Butter pies. It's just butter, onion, and potato, right? And it, and it sounds very plain. It was unreal. Yeah, yeah it sounds cut delicious. The t- cut the top <laughs> off, play, play under 12 football, cook, yeah. you know, your dad would bring some home, cut the top off, pull it off, ketchup in it, put it back. After So you've just exercised the 12 year olds, lost some weight, come back, pie. Pie and then watch Big Break. That, um. was, my, that was my Saturdays. Fantastic, Brilliant. mate. Fantastic. Now, well, we, we get them sent up from our butchers and, um, there's like, we get, we get, a, we get, always get a few spares and it's like, the rule is one and a half. If you have one, it's not enough. <laughs> right. If you have one, it's not enough. If you have two, you're going to go down in service because you're too, because you're too full. Like, have you got these guys on the Cornish passes? People oh. have never had them before. Yeah. Um, yeah. Bang Con- into him. Constantine, the chef there, he's from Moldova and he's like, he's a convert now. He, he loves wow. them. Yeah. And we got we got our kitchen porter um Gabriel from from Congo and he's like Cor- corner pasty corner pasty today corner pasty I bet he's buzzing he loves for it, the yeah. corner now they love it yeah yeah you yeah. should put on the corner pasty yeah corner pasty yeah that's what he calls them yeah. but no it's um it's just yeah it's just nice right, isn't it? every I think everyone's got that from different regions and they've all yeah. got they've all got their things the inspiration you take from back home is it really you think it's really present in your food now yeah definitely I mean. You know, a lot of the menu, a lot of the produce certainly is is from Cornwall. Um, and the way we cook is like, it's very, there's no kind of like bullshit or like pretentiousness towards modernity or anything like that. It's we, what we do is, is very classic, it's very classic flavours. And a lot of the times it is, it we do like to have those like nostalgic things on there. Like, you know, you can't be having a big old, dollop of clotted cream on the desserts and things do you know what i mean and it's like it's it's i love that like that kind of familiarity Mm -hmm. like you know i bet i bet well our best selling dish i bet the one we're all that we're known for is Mm -hmm. is our crumpet like our potted shrimp crumpet he said that our producer as soon as he says i saw the crumpet last night and yeah it's it's honestly it's 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 what i mean if someone told me a few years ago that 
build a career on knocking out crumpets to the Arctic monkeys, I'd be alone. <laughs> do you know what I mean? But yeah. it's not a bad life. But, so um, you're not hydrating your carrots and dehydrating your carrots? No, I mean, it's just, we just cook stuff that people want to eat. Like, we just put as much butter into it as we can and stuff like that. Do you know what I mean? It's like, you know, we, the other day we, we, we put roll mops on the menu. It's like, when do you see, where do you see a roll mop nowadays? Did they go out well? People love them. Oh, people love them, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, but who doesn't, who doesn't have a role? But in nostalgia as well, I think the whole reason, you know, doing the podcast was going back and like looking at what what makes chefs tick and stuff like that. And I think whenever we talk about food as well, you kind of, you always seem to go back, but the older you get, the more you go back to your youth, the more you go back to your Cornish passes, the butter pies, the raw mops, that kind of thing, you know? I think we just talk about pies a lot. Yeah, I think too much. Can't beat a pie. You can't, you can't. But, um, no, I just, do you know, there's, I've got a, a, a great friend in uh, in Edinburgh he's, he's a brilliant chef called Roy Brett and he's got a, an amazing um, restaurant called Ondine and it's um, he worked at, uh, he worked for Rick Stein for a lot of years so he's got so you can see that influence there he's got you know just it's a, a very very classical seafood restaurant you know freedom airs and and oysters on ice and longestines and that sort of thing but it's just done like to to the absolute perfection like he's a brilliant chef and we were talking about menus and how chefs write their menus and it's like well if you don't read it and it's like if you if you read something it's like butter roasted cod with whipped celeriac or something like that like it sounds delicious doesn't it, it gets oh, it sounds sexy you never if you you so like if you hear something like a, a roll mop you're like oh i love a roll mop mm. if you read a menu and you go pulled yeast extracted malt and barley you're gonna go Fuck off, like, do you know what I mean? Well, no, tell them uh, words separate. Yeast, yeah, don't, don't fancy yeah, it. Nah. Malt, yeah, uh, it? <laughs> barley. Yeah. See you tomorrow. It's like, do you know what I mean? It's like, if, I mean, maybe it's nice, but like, if I'm if I'm doing if if I'm writing a menu or or I'm or I'm planning the dish, I just think what is going to make people as soon as they have that first bite, yeah. sit sit back in their chair and just pull that f- like satisfied face. You know, like the little, the new emoji with the little dribble coming oh, on yeah, the side. Yeah, yeah. Like, I use oh, that's, what I want, that's what I want everyone to do. Like, that's what I do want. You, do, you, do you find yourself stopping sometimes and having a look and going, hey, up, they're happy? Yeah, it's a, oh, definitely. Yeah, I love, that's that's why I want an open kitchen um, as well because you, you get to, you get to sense what's happening in the, in the restaurant and you can see you can see whether people are enjoying it, yeah. And you... it's quite scary, though. It's putting yourself under a bit of because if you if you see somebody, obviously the happy bit's great, but if you see someone, it's a bit like, oh god, are they enjoying it? Oh, is there some food left? Yeah, no, that's that's true. But then, as well, in every restaurant in the world, you get customers that don't enjoy it. You can't please like, everyone. It's it, you you can't. I mean, it, you can go anywhere in the world, and there will be people there that don't take to it because that's human beings right we're, yeah. we're subjective animals and we're and some what's right for someone might not be right for someone else so Absolutely. so it's, it's how you deal with it, it isn't it? it yeah exactly it's fine but but when you've got that um visible connection mm-hmm. and you can see someone you can you can manage it better and you can read people better so it's nice that you can you can see that and you can take you can take charge of that and and actively make a make a difference. Do you so know you I mean? come out of the kitchen as well, don't you, to see people? I do. Yeah, I do. I mean, I don't like to poke your nose in a bit. Yeah, and it's I don't know. It's, it's, I think it's, it's nice though when a chef comes out and you know it's that personal touch and they ask you, you know, how totally. are you getting on with that? And I mean, I mean, I, what because it's open. What I think, and because of the like the level of informality, I suppose, mm. or comfort rather than informality, people just feel 
feel relaxed enough to come and say hello at the at the past because you know we're busy as well so I prefer not to like just wander over to ramble random tables and just start chatting unless unless they've specified an interest or whatever but a lot of people do come up and they want to shake you you know shake your hand it all comes back to their nod doesn't it yeah exactly exactly yeah and it's it's you know, it's it's nice that people do that, but it, it's and it's great for the for the other chefs as well. To you, mm. you have that motivation. I mean, usually you're in a like I say, you're in a box behind a wall, yeah. sweating for sixteen hours a day, stressed, uh, stressed, and you might get someone say, "Oh, table five really enjoyed it," and it's like, okay, but then when you can visibly see table five enjoying it, you don't need uh, that reassurance. You, you, it's yeah, and there. and you feel it more, and you can hear you can hear people chatting, and you mm. can hear people talking about it. We were, there was a table at lunch yesterday, and you could just you could just hear everything they were saying about enjoying it. It's like, it pushes you on. Like it really does sort of spur us on. Like, and it's, and it also lets us gauge like about how we create the menus further, you know? So, so things like, for example, we got, um, we got some sardines in the other day and for the roll mops. Yeah. So, and we wanted them butterflied and like we, we got, I think it was like seven kilos of these sardines, beautiful sardines, but they sent them up whole. So it's like, shit, well, I ain't got time to butterfly all of these. So it's going to be a nightmare. So we just, um, just to, just to use them up, we did a little special where it's, uh, like a Fritamisto style hard fry, they call it. So we marinated them up with, with some like really good olive oil and garlic and rosemary and lemon peel and things. And then just dust them in semolina and just, deep fried them hard so you get this nice crispy one but then they're just cooked on the inside and just did it with like saffron and garlic aioli little lemon wedge and some paprika salt really nice really really simple but we fly out i bet you they're uh, simple and exactly the, yeah. yeah but we've we, i was like oh they'll be all right like, people will be people will be into them it's probably not but do you know what like we can't take them off the menu now because you wow. you hear people and they're like oh my god like i remember it like i love this like it reminds me of being on holiday exactly i was like, just you, about to say that it's when you go on holiday and they just and they just send it out it's like when you go to andalusia and you get yeah. the free tapas the first time you get it you're absolutely um, over the moon because you can't exactly. believe you're getting free food that yeah. quality and they, and they just bring out deep fried sardines smelly oil and you're like yeah. um, I didn't order it it's like no no I'll keep bringing it some tripe necks some snails uh, and you're like it just gets better yeah exactly yeah <laughs> and it's that's that when you can see that and hear that it's like well brilliant let's do this do you know what I mean you, we we can we know that people are into it so now and we can use we'll we'll use that technique more often because we know people react well to it because we can we can hear it and that just help it helps us to be it helps us to be a better restaurant yeah. like it really does absolutely it really does yeah. so you, you mentioned um you know being seven years old and catching your own fish and obviously being from cornwall you've got access to a lot of different food so how did that kind of develop what what was your relationship um with food like as as a teenager oh so i was terrible i was i was the worst that was the worst uh, i didn't honestly i'd never eat I never eat vegetables. I never ate vegetables until, as you can probably see nowadays, <laughs> I never used to eat vegetables until I was about 14. Like, honestly, and then it was just sweet corn for about a year. Just, just, just sweet what, corn. Jolly Green Giant. Oh, yeah, jo- yeah, Jolly Green Giant, straight out of the tin. Straight but out of the no, tin with a spoon. Uh, honestly, so that's, honestly. A, that's a fisherman's trick, though, because my mate's a fisherman and he, and he goes there, puts, puts a few in his mouth, puts the rest on the bloody line. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but, um, no, it's terrible. And uh, nothing red. Nothing, that was my other thing. Nothing red. So nothing ketchup, with tomatoes. No. No, I still don't eat ketchup now. I still don't eat it's ketchup good. or beans. Oh, that's good, probably. But, um, beige no, food. Just beige. Beige. Beige all the way. And, um, Beige all the way. You should yeah. get on a t-shirt. Dumb, you? Beige all the way. Yeah, done me proper in school. That was uh, that was a that was a fun time. <laughs> but um, what'd you have for school dinners? No, 
Uh, it's pet lunch. Oh. See, we were going to have this as one of the questions, yeah. and I was like, no, but actually, it's quite good. It's it pet lunch, school dinners, or dinner disc. What's <laughs> dinner the, disc? When I, for, when I was a kid, if you, if you, I don't know, I'm getting into this, but if you were a kid and say, you know, you couldn't afford the lunch. Type oh, thing, yeah, like free school get the, minutes, We used yeah. to call it the dinner disc. Ah, and you'd okay, have lads yeah, yeah. selling the dinner disc for, for a packet <laughs> yeah. of facts. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> well, we, That's yeah. more Cumbria. We're not, we're not getting onto that one right yet. <laughs> so, no, we, um, yeah, it was pet lunch. It was pet lunch, and then when we got a bit older, it was, um, it was school dinners, but then, you go to the canteen and just buy chips and a burger or something. Do you know what I mean? It was rubbish. Like it's rubbish food. Yeah. But no, I was I was I was terrible until I started pr- pr- probably until I started working in kitchens. Really. So that's weird for me because one of the questions we're going to get on today. But for me, it's like if if you were eating that way, well, what inspired you to go right? Well, I'm going to go and work in a kitchen. It was completely by accident actually that I that I, that I started this job. So um, when I was at school, I was quite I was quite academic, and um, the my family um sort of background there's a lot of um medical people in my background actually in my family so um you know my uncle's a doctor um like he was a he was a consultant surgeon for his whole sort of working life um my auntie uh, is the head librarian at the at the medical library in um in the royal Cornwall hospital um my granddad was a, a a sci- like a scientist, like a bot- laboratory scientist who worked what, on things, things in things. jars, and that? yeah, things in jars, and he, he worked at, um, he worked on like chemical weapons and things wow. in, the, in the Second World War. Yeah, my, my nan was a science teacher, a whole, and she worked in a laboratory with. That's a dangerous yeah, family you've got there. Yeah, well, it's a lot of that. So, so I always wanted to be a doctor. So, um, and then when I started going to, I started, when I finished school, I started going to college and doing A levels, and I was like, I just couldn't. I just, it was the classroom environment. Just, I was, I was was bored I didn't want to do it um and I was working at just at my local um boozer just washing up on a Sunday I just do pot wash on a Sunday as like a part-time job and I just thought well I'm not doing college anymore I had no no idea what I wanted to do no no idea at all and they were like well if you if you don't know what you're doing for a bit we're coming up to the busy period do you want to come in and and help us out and pick up a few shifts just you know, helping prep and making mm-hmm. pizzas and things. How old are you this? About 15, 16? Uh, so, yeah, 16. I think 16, 16, so, 16. So this 16, is your 17. first job in a kitchen? First job in a kitchen. Pot, first pot first job. First job. I, yeah. think, I think most people start as a pot washer though. Man. All I the best like, chefs yeah, do. If you start as a pot washer as well, you're so eager not to be a pot washer. Yeah. <laughs> because, and also it teaches you, without the pot, pot washer, the whole kitchen goes. You know what I mean, it's like you're the, you are oh, the, the most gold important dust. role. If you get a good pot washer, it's the most important role because... That you'd have to speak to them on top of it all the time. You know what I mean? Without them, you are knackered. So totally, were you yeah. one of them? Yeah. No, I was. Yeah, I was. I was good. I was, uh, a grafter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was. I've always. I've always been a hard worker. I've always. I've. I get it from my dad. Really, mm. is is that kind of? Yeah, you want to graft and you want to work hard. Um. So. Yeah. So they just said, "Do you want to pick up some shifts?" And I was like, "Yeah." And I was like, "Oh, it's just all right. This I'll do, I'll do this for a minute." And they were like, "Well, do you want to go to college one day a week um, and do like an apprenticeship, um, just so that you're not wasting your time at least if you want to if you want to stop at any point." They seem really helpful. They seem really nice they were, people. They were. They were. They were nice. Yeah, they were good. I mean, if, you know, the, the food wasn't the best food in the world ever it was just like a local it was just pub grub pub grub really but they were really nice and they were and they were supportive and and you know we worked i worked there for for a fair few years did did my college and i was like well i like i like doing this i could i could see myself doing this and then after that i just wanted to wanted to do a bit more so i went and got a job at a, a better place and then a better place and then 
on and on and, and ended up working for Nathan, which is sort of like the wow. uh, the pinnacle for, for working in Cornwall, really. You can't really do a lot more yeah. than work for Nathan Outlaw if you're in Cornwall. Well, what's, what's day one after not being a pot washer? Well, I think they just had me doing some prep and that. It's just peeling. Like, get, peeling, yeah, peeling, 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 peeling onions, like slicing, slicing red pepper rings for the salad garnishes. And red like, do you know what I mean? Yeah, it was yeah. things like that. It was, it was, um, just general, just general prep, really. It, it, it got easier into it, really. Yeah. It's, it's still got that buzz though, haven't you? When you're first doing that stuff, when you're in the kitchen, it's very, especially when you're young, I think when you're 16, I remember my first job in the kitchen, like when you're 16, it's like just being around loads of, Loads of people, because you've never really, if you've never had my, my job before, that was a bloody milk round. So it was just me at five in the morning running around with bloody milk bottles. And the, and the guys there, they were all, uh, it's, it's like anything in it when you're a young, so I was like 17 and these lads are all like 26 to, tw- so the 26 to 28. So like, you've got all the bants and you're like, you're one of the lads and it's just like, it's a nice, that's the good thing in like, you know, I remember talking to you on the radio about like, um, first people day. That, yeah, first the days and a like, bit, when a bit, a bit, bit of, bit of, yeah, giving people giving you a little bit of stick and that, and like the, it was nice that they, you know, obviously you get a little bit of little bit of banter, say, but it was it was all nice. It was all sort of it was all friendly, and it was like you give a little bit back, and it's just not it's not it's a it's a nice it was a nurturing environment. Say they were they were nice they were nice guys, and and it was like I suppose it's like it's like anything. I remember when the lads were were building here, and they had a they had a labourer who was it was seventeen, and they just well you know they do the winding up, they wind him up, you send him out for the skirting board ladders and things like that, and it was yeah. like, do you know what I mean? And this, I was thinking, oh yeah, I remember those days. It's a graduation, it's, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. It's like yeah, it's and if you good. can handle that, I think you can you can go up fast. If you yeah. if you if you don't mind that, because it, it, it was quite it's quite a laddie environment as well. I don't think it is anymore. Yeah. But when I when I remember I first started, there wasn't there was one woman she was a pastry chef, yeah, and there was like fifteen blocks and a massive restaurant mm. in the late window me so it was yeah. te- and i remember that it was terrifying i remember the guy made me eat the brush on the third day he put my head down and said eat that bloody brush and i was like no and he just grabbed my head made me eat the frigging brush yeah. made me clean the bread oven when yeah. it was off then turned it on oh, and didn't yeah, let, and didn't help me down bloody awful the and then chucked me in a sink yeah. chucked me in a sink on my last day well like, i mean i mean there is there is there is a side to it that's not yeah, but you, I was tiny. You were a bit scarier than me. I was the, I was, you know, I was, I was there for morale. I, I honestly, like, there is, there is, there is some stuff that goes on that's not, that's not very nice. But I think, I think a little bit of jokes here and there and a little bit of banter is good. I mean, I feel almost a bit funny talking about it because it's like it's kind of a grey area now, but I think, true. It's, I think like, you've got, you've got to have like, you've got to have a little bit done. of fun. And I think it's, it, as long as as long as it is fun, as long as no one feels I mean, I'd never want the last thing I'd ever want anyone to feel here mm. is or anywhere is is upset or that they They're not valued. Yeah, they're not valued or that or they're being victimized. But but I think I you, mean a bit of fun and a bit of a ba- a bit of banter saying a bit of ribbing. But it I comes think, back to like, you know, you wanna build that family yeah in the kitchen totally yeah that's a good point actually yeah, yeah like like yeah. your family at home your, yeah. your brothers and you, you're always going to have a bit of stick off your dad and your brothers and it's healthy because it's fun and it's not nasty and no, there's exactly. no malice behind it i don't know that brush tasted bloody horrible <laughs> oh. yeah. i mean like this lot this lot this lot take the piss out of me as much do you know what i mean and we have there's what, no you're cycling shorts yeah me cycling they're like oh i come in uh yesterday at nine o'clock now like, oh you really? <laughs> They'd all been here for like an hour. They're like, oh, what's, what's going on? It's not half ten yet. Like, where are you? <laughs> it's like, do you know what I mean? It's like, 
we have a bit of we have a bit of a laugh and it's just it gets it gets you for a long day you know what i mean it's just fun it's just you've got to be a bit mad as well you got at the end of day if you're going to go into kitchens and you want to work them shifts like i remember being about 15 16 doing 12 hour shifts and you've never done it and then for a whole summer i did 12 hour shifts and i remember by about two weeks in first week was horrendous two weeks in i was like this is amazing because I can do it and you're there all day. I get fed twice. I can't believe it. Good food <laughs> yeah, twice. Yeah, and yeah. it was buzzing, you know, and you've got to be a little bit up for it. If you were for doing 12 hour shifts, you're a bit mad. I bet you had a good time at the end of that summer holiday. Yeah, I did just to save up to go to Amsterdam in the winter. That was my youth. Um, right. Let's go back. We were talking there. We went back to, you know, your first proper job in Cornwall with, with, with Outlaw. It, it, oh yeah. yeah. So yeah. When I started with Nath. Well, I worked before that. I worked. I worked for a guy called, um, Paul Ripley, who was, he was the head chef at the seafood restaurant at Rick Stein's when it all started to take off when Rick started going on telly and those sorts of things. He was the head chef there and he was, he was a big part of them moving forward. Um, and he had his own, uh, he had his own restaurant once he left Rick's with, um, which won a Michelin star out, held it for six years in Cornwall. And he, when he was the head chef at the seafood restaurant, he had a, a young commie chef that, just moved down and that was Nathan that was Nathan Outlaw so he started working under Paul so they've had that that working relationship for a long time and then I started working for Paul years later after Nathan had gone off and you know conquered the world and and done everything so then that's how we had that connection so went so I worked for Paul for a few years and he was he was one of those you know he loved he loved the banter he loved the joke he's a big he's a big Arsenal fan as well like myself so you know we always had a good we always got on really well and it was always like you know, you always had you always had a bit of a laugh with each other, mm. and um, I remember working for Paul and just loving that and just feeling that buzz of like you're working with him and he's a good laugh, but he's a, he also knows what he's on about and he makes you better. Yeah, and that's that's what I always wanted to be like. And then Nathan as well. I mean, Nathan's just the next level. You know what I mean? Like when mm. you you know the, the, you feel that he, not only is he all those things, but you feel that prestige of this is probably the best fish, which is, could chef be quite in the world. Intimidating, you know what I mean? In a way, yeah, no, it could be. And I think I think a lot of people, a lot of people that don't know him, like. It, it, he comes All across chef, as such a nice guy as well. No, absolutely. And, and do you know what he is? He's, he's, he's the best. I will always say he's the best human being that I've mm-hmm. ever met. Like he is like, he, like hands down. He's the most caring, generous, genuine person I've, I've ever met. Um, and I could, I could never say enough nice things about the man. Like he is, he is a, an absolute you know, a hero in my eyes. I would always want to aspire to be, I, I, I want to aspire to be half what he is. Do you know what I mean? Like, let alone, let alone what, what he is now. And, and, uh, I think a lot of people feel that intimidation of, of the level of pressure. You know, they struggle to get staff down in Cornwall sometimes. Like, because, because, well, I mean, every chef struggles to get, but I feel like a lot of people feel that they wouldn't stand up to it. But mm. the thing is with, with Nathan is, is he's so, he's so nurturing. He's such an amazing mentor. Like Christian, who's my head chef now, me and him both started working for, for Nathan at, at the same time. I think we we're about two weeks apart. And Christian, Christian, when he first started, he didn't know what a poached egg was. He'd literally never, wow. never heard that term poached egg. And now, Christian was the sous chef at Nathan's Fish Kitchen when it won one Michelin star. He's worked with me for six years. He was my sous chef at the, uh, at the Capitol. Mm. He's the head chef here now. And like, that's in six years. Do you know what I mean? That's in six years of cookery to go from, from literally nothing, from literally no experience, no nothing to have that. And that, that is all down to someone like Nathan and, and 
and through Nathan, the other the other chefs that have worked for Pete Biggs, who, who's Nathan's head chef in Dubai, who was amazing as well, who I worked for. Um, and you know, the, it's that it's that nurturing that makes yeah. it happen. Right. So obviously, we're talking. We've just gone back to kind of like um, you know your first taking the step up. We've just we were talking about obviously being a pot. We'll share them moving back up four years of the training, all that kind of stuff. And you've got to your first restaurant. You've done it. You've been putting a bit more responsibility and stuff. When was that first dish that you kind of were like, oh, I'm proud of that? Well, there was the, the, the one that sort of sticks in my head. There was a lot. And obviously when you're working for a chef, right, in their restaurant and you're a head chef at someone else's restaurant, then there is a level of like you do their food. So the good thing with Nathan is, is, he, is he would always give you that level to be creative and he would let you have a, a bit of free reign. But you, <clears throat> but you always knew that you were you were cooking someone else's dishes and you had a repertoire to, to stick to, which is, you know, it's, it's a big repertoire and you can make, you can create a dish within that, but there's things that we always would do is like, you know, he, he, he does this lobster risotto with orange and basil and it's one that he's probably, you know, if he, if he had to say, yeah, I mean, it's one of his sort of signatures really. And we would, we would have that on the menu a lot and it's nothing wrong with that. I love cooking. It's the best, it's the best dish I've ever eaten. Like it's still my favorite dish I've ever eaten. Absolutely. Unbelievable. It, does, yeah, it, <laughs> it, it, it is starving. incredible. It's the best, it's the best dish I've ever eaten. Um, the first one that I made that I remember was mine. And, uh, I just said to, you know, if you try this, we did this, um, a beef tartare, a beef and, and seaweed tartare. And, uh, we use this cut of beef, which is called, um, it's from the box eater. So it's called underblade fillet. So in a, a box eater is, is a, is a joint from, the shoulder on beef and in the middle you've got this uh like diamond muscle they call it right so you take it down and if you cook it it's like it has to be braised it's really tough but what we were doing was curing it in seaweed for about an hour rolling it really tight freezing it and then chopping it really small what you get is almost like a like beef fillet like you'd normally traditionally use for a tartare but it's got so much more flavor because it's one of those like second cuts and then we mix it with you know capers gherkins shallots the lot and then seaweed um because seaweed to me always tastes a bit like truffle like if you have deep fried crispy seaweed i've always found it to be a bit like have that kind of garlicky sort of truffly kind of flavor so i thought you know beef and truffle together and then we just did like some grilled some grilled sourdough with it and like a seaweed mayonnaise it's really simple um and over the years we've done loads of different variations of it but um I remember him saying, that's really clever, that, that you thought of the seaweed and the truffle thing. That's really clever. And mm-hmm. I was like, well, they, they, you know, that's the one that I remember, like, as, as sort of me own, as me own. He must yeah, have yeah, seen so- something in you. He must have seen something and you must have known that, that he must have seen something like where he's going, right, you're pretty good. You know, and he, like you said, the nurturing. Yeah. I mean, I've, I would say that he, t- I would say that he took a bit of a leap of faith, um, with me. So when I first started, I was like chef to party. And then a few months later, um, was when he was opening the, opening his restaurant, the Capital Hotel. So Pete, who I'd worked for as the head, he was the head chef. He was moving to London to take over that. So then there was a guy called, um, Redis, who was the, uh, who was the sous chef. And he, he was promoted to head chef and then I was promoted to sous chef. So he was like, well, you know, he'd obviously seen that, seen that I could do the job. And f- so I'd gone to sous chef. And then about a year later, Redis went to open his own restaurant. And they said, you know, do you want to, 
do you want to step up and do you want to take that? And and I would massively say, I was, I was 26 at the time, I'd say it's a huge, it was a huge... Uh, That's insane, 26. It was a huge gamble. Yeah, it was a, huge, it was a massive gamble for, for for him. I mean, it could have, got, it could have gone tits <laughs> up, really. I mean, but... You know, I wanted. I was a. I was a hard worker, and I. Uh, I would. I would always. I would always um, put the restaurant before anything. There was one. There was a summer where we didn't have much staff, and uh, and I did. I worked every day for. I think it was three months. I did. It was. It was without any any days off or anything. You know, I was learning as well. You know, very much learning to be a head chef. Mm. Um, but I had that support of Nathan. Mm-hmm. I had a really good team around me. I had a really great sous chef. I had some really, really good, strong characters in the kitchen that supported it. And I, w- I would never have been able to do it without them. Mm-hmm. Um, well, you wouldn't, you wouldn't have done it if you didn't, if you didn't, if you didn't respect and have the respect of the team and the boss, or like, you know, the, the, the top, top guy, you know, you wouldn't do it. Would, why would you do it? People don't go out of the way unless they feel like they're no, being respected both sides. No, exactly. And, and like, I mean, uh, the thing I had was a great, was a good work ethic. So, I mean, you know, all, it was a learning curve, but yeah, I wouldn't say I was like lighting up the world, like as this fucking young gun, do you know what I mean? And it was like, oh yeah, you've obviously got to put in, I think it was more circumstance and, and a bit of, and a bit of luck being in the right place at the right time and, and having a, a great, a great mentor to make, to make it better. Yeah. I wouldn't say I was like, like there's obvious raw talent like yeah he's yeah. like he's 25 but like you know he's gonna be the next whatever like certainly no one's talking about me like that it's just like yeah he's a he's here he'll do the job and i can mm. teach uh, and nathan must thought i can teach i can teach him to be something then yeah. that's that's what i owe it to not that i was like this natural it's hard work do you know what I mean? off. yeah totally yeah that's all that's all you need in this industry to do to do well if you if you have uh, a good work ethic and you're passionate about it Without a doubt, you'll succeed. Like it's, it's, that's that's one thing I love about this trade is that that's, if you've got those two ingredients, it doesn't matter about anything else. Mm. If you're passionate, you love food, and you want to create something beautiful, you want to make you you love the produce, and you love food, you love eating out, like and and you work hard to to be better. That's all you need. That's literally there's two two things, and and you can do anything. You make it sound so simple. Wait, I mean, it kind of it's is only though. cooking, isn't it? People's nans have been doing it for centuries. You know what I mean? It's like it's, <laughs> it's, it's, true, not, it's just a bit of cooking, like if I can make a carrot taste nice, like anyone can make a carrot. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. I don't like sit there massaging it, and do you know what I mean? Like yeah, you know, the carrot whisper, the carrot whisperer, they call me. Yeah. <laughs> um, we were, go- we were another thing we were looking at as well. Like we're going, obviously we've been going back. How do you think your the way you think about foods changed from from when you first started working in kitchens to now because mm. funny enough now I've wrote down that question I'm asking it actually seems like you've kept that kind of the, the teachings the simplicity you know has it has it changed a lot the thinkings um yeah I, I, I would say that now I'd, I look uh, to go as simple as possible and 100% I look to cook for the customer and look, I don't, like, I remember when, when I first took over at the Capitol Hotel, I remember because I knew that it was a Michelin star restaurant and it was the first, it was the first Michelin star restaurant I'd, I'd worked in. Like I'd obviously I'd worked for Nathan Outlaw, but the restaurant I was working in didn't have, didn't have that accolade. And I remember going there and I, I remember everything. I was just thinking, 
will they like it? Will Michelin like it? Will you know? Will we, is it going to maintain that star? And I was I was pulling my hair out for a, for a year, waiting to get this star. And I was honestly, I was it's the most stressed I've ever been. I was like up at night, and I was ringing people, and I was looking back over the pictures I'd taken. And I was like, is it? And that and that was a, that was a big thing, and it got to a point where I was like like later in the year and I remember thinking well they must have the guide comes out then and they must be printing it now so I was like do you know what like okay, I can't do it anymore if we, if we lost if we lost a star we lost the star if we kept it we kept it like let's just and the food got better like it, honestly it got better because I, I, I just went back to thinking about ingredients and thinking about what people want and thinking about what was the most delicious thing you could put on a plate so now I mean, don't get me wrong, and any Michelin inspectors that are listening to this, um, <laughs> um, every chef would love to get those accolades, right? Every, everyone, like, it, without a doubt. But that's not, that's not, that doesn't define the way we cook. That's like, not going to motivate you. No, exactly. It doesn't, I don't think, well, fuck, we need to put two more sets of canapes out every time because that's what they want. Or oh, is that, is that clever enough to just do a fried sardine with some, like, no, it's, I, I can't make, uh, what I've, what, what I always think is, can we, can we refine that dish? Can we, can we make it taste better? Can we, can we, you, can we, can we improve the flavor? Can we improve the way the customer is going to feel about this once that plate is empty? Right. That's, that's the thing. Like, can we make it look more beautiful? Can we make it taste better? Can, can we, can we buy, can we buy a better bit of whatever ingredient? Mm. And that, that's the motivation. And that's, that's what I look at and taking things away. Do you know what I mean? Like taking, just taking, taking things off the plate. Every time we take a little garnish off the plate or we take an element away, something gets better. Mm. And I think that, that is, that's the, that, I would say that's, that comes with a maturity of, of being a cook and a, and a confidence of being a cook. When you're young, it's like, fucking hell like let's get everything on there like, let's go yeah, crazy yeah. and it's like you see these like yeah Hormone i call them like stuff. six six degrees of separation dishes do you know what i mean so it's like well i love um lamb and lamb goes with goes well with mint and mint goes well with this and then this yeah. and it's yeah, like yeah, do you know yeah. what i mean by the end you've got like you you've got like some white chocolate on there and it's like do you know what i mean like what what's going on but i i, I always compare it to um music bands yeah. i was thinking I, I was in a band years and years ago and so was ben and basically not in the same band not in no. the same band christ we, we're both got the second name smith so that'd have been we're a crap brothers. band but um basically we can see on the first album bands go a bit go hell for leather right and so classic albums like that and then second time second third album they find space they find less is more they find do you know what we don't need to put three guitars. Let's just have a vocal, you know. And I think it's the same with cooking. I think it kind of gets to a point where the more mature you get, you go, yeah, take it down a level. I think I, I, I completely agree. And I mean, the one, the one, I mean, I'm always, I'm the biggest fanboy of them anywhere. But if you look at the Arctic Monkeys. Yeah, right? so well I am. So we all have, aren't look, we? Look all Arctic, the time we talk right, about monkeys the, on the sea. The, 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 the evolution, right, from, from, from the first album, from whatever people say I'm not, and they're like these, little punky kids and they're talking in their and they're, all, jackets. they're all singing about classic Reeboks and going out and, and pulling On birds and that. And then you look at AM, right? Mm. The, 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 one of the greatest albums ever made. And you look at that transition and that, and that evolution and that, and that, and that coming of age. Mm. And I think that you're, you're, you're absolutely right. Like you can see that, you can see that with chefs and you can see that with food and like you, I mean, you can just see it with, with human beings in general. Do you know what I mean? 
I mean, there's a whole look at Steven there. Gerrard when yeah. he played football, right? So when he, when he's uh, like when he first come on the scene and he was this big like box to box and he's like banging him out, Roof, and he's like yeah. yeah going for it. And then you just you look at that season, you know, when Liverpool nearly won the title and he takes that like back roll and he's just spraying these beautiful passes everywhere. And it's just like I know he slipped over with the Denver Bar thing, but like do you know what I mean? You look at those and it's maturity. Just like, yeah, it's maturity, maturity. and, and realising that because I'm a United fan, so I compare scores, yeah. that kind of totally. scoresy thing. So, Iniesta, like look at these, exactly. they're like fine wine, aren't they? Do you know what I mean? They take a step like, back and they can see it all and they exactly. go well I'm going to use my maturity and go in what do the players want <laughs> like what do the customers want you know true, true. Absolutely. I mean I think it's just life isn't it it's just life in general and mm-hmm. I think definitely you can see you can see that with you can see that in chefs like when they get when they start to like and I suppose it's the same thing what I was saying earlier when they when they pull their personality out it's when it's when you feel that like confidence and and you feel that like level of establishment thing do you know what? I don't, I don't, I've got nothing to prove to anyone because I know, I know what, I, I know what, I know what I can do. I know what, I know what I want to do. I know what I want to achieve. I, want, I know what I want to be. And I think that's, that's, that's when you get the best, the best stuff. Talking about food and, and the future of foods and how, how these days everything is kind of a topic like veganism and sustainability is such big, big issues. What do you think the future of food looks like in your kitchen? I think the things, when you talk about like buzzwords and sort of movements within food, I think the one, the one that we sort of adhere to the most and we sort of want to be part of is like sustainability and, and sort of, you know, we do that. I mean, we've always done that with fish, obviously, working with them, but it's so, it's so important. Like it really, really is important for, for, um, for seafood in general to, to be more sustainable and to, and to look after the environment. Um, that's one. And, you know, that filters down through everything we do. I mean, you know, like this, particularly with the wines, you know, we've gone, everything's natural or organic or biodynamic. We've just, we've just gone that way and we're just, you know, we're, we have a social responsibility really to, to make things better and to, and to do that. And, you know, like even the soft drinks we use, there's a company called Karma Cola who, who are very, yeah, I mean, you might know, but they're, they're, they're brilliant and they're very sort of conscientious and, you know, we're not a bunch of, you know, we're not hippies. We're not going out with Swampy and that, like, you know, lying down in front of the protest and that, but, but like, you know, that's, that's a small, that's a drop in the ocean and we can, if we can do our bit, then, then that's what we want to do. I mean, in terms of, in terms of cooking, um, I think, I think, I think the thing with with seafood is is it's it, it'll always be a niche in itself because people aren't able. Just one sec. Can can everyone just keep it that I can hear loads? Everyone doing stuff. Just stop banging in that, please. Um, so, um, I think with seafood, it's always going to be a bit of a niche in itself because it's a, it's a, it's a skill in itself that not every chef feels comfortable. I mean, I think a lot of people put it on a pedestal. I don't think it's, I don't think cooking fish is quite as difficult as everyone makes it out. I mean, maybe that's just because I've always done it. So yeah, I think, I think with here, like that's what we'll always do. We're not really going to change. And you know, if there's, I think the way we approach the menus is we will only ever do something if it is the best way of doing it. Like, you know, for example, I don't know, everyone jumped on that fermenting mm. shit for a while, didn't they? And it's like, everyone's into it. And it's like, Does me, well, I did. 
It, oh I just, I don't God, know for like, me. I just, honestly, just, I think it's an, it sounds horrible. Yeah, <laughs> just buy it. Like, I'm not being funny. I don't want to eat like last year's parsnips. Like, just I'd rather have the ones that you've got in the ground at the minute. Like, or if, or if it's not the right time of year, I'll just have something else. Like, so I don't, we don't really do that stuff. But then, you know, if we can make something in that process and it was the best possible way of preparing that ingredient, then yeah, we would, we would absolutely, we'd absolutely jump on it. But I think once. Once you start hearing about these things as a trend, they're already done. Yeah. It was like open fire, like everyone's now in it. Like, oh, open fire cooking. It's like, no one's going to be doing that in six months time because like everyone jumps. And there are people, don't get me wrong, there are people that do it and they do it, they do it so well. Like, and they, they are pioneers of it. It's like when there was like the molecular gastronomy, right? So, you know, when Heston was yeah. like 10 years ago, probably was like, everyone was chatting about Heston, everyone was talking about El Bully. And, you know, these guys are like, they're, they're the dons of it. Like they they're know what they're years. doing. Yeah. yeah, they know what they're doing and they do. But then everyone, everyone's going, stab, yeah. everyone's ringing up MSK and trying to buy all these different chemicals and potions and whatever. And they just, it, it, it's already, it's already dead then, isn't it? It's like True. fusion. Like when everyone started trying to do fusion food, like probably for what, 15, 20 years ago, that was like suddenly... It was already dead by the time you started. I mean, definitely when we were hearing about it down in Cornwall, like probably everyone had stopped doing it for about two years up here, probably. But like, it's like the cinema up north. Yeah, I'm still watching Star Wars. <laughs> so, do you tend to stay away from anything like that as a bit of a you? You kind of consider that as a bit of a fad, and it's like let let it run its course, and you know, just kind yeah, of concentrate totally. on on what you know. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's a fine line between not being progressive mm-hmm. and just keeping what's you know sticking to what you know and and never never evolving and never getting better and then jumping on these things for the sake of them like there's so many things it's like well is it better than what we're already doing no is it is it probably a little bit more am I going to see more people writing about this thing on Instagram than than anything else Mm. probably yeah I will but for a week do you know what I mean exactly yeah it's like I just honestly, I could talk about this stuff for ages, oh, yeah. but like, it's like meadow, you know, there's one thing that like meadow sweet, like everyone goes, Oh yeah, I got meadow sweet. Like, well, there's a reason people weren't eating that two years ago, like, because it's, it's not very nice. Like, it's just, some, it's just <laughs> like a little thing that you pull out of a field and you just want to tell people, you just want to say it. It's like, you look at these foraged herbs and it's like, do you know what? This foraged herb that I've walked down the road and spent two hours of my day looking for, it tastes almost like lemongrass. I was like, do you know what else tastes like lemongrass? Lemongrass. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I bought, you get it. I like, it you know what I mean? Shop, or like, oh, it's because I'm spending all my time. To, oh, it's just like, mate, please. But I think the general public as well. I think all the buzz, all the buzzwords. Like, I had someone come in and talk about sustainability, and I was like, do you think people actually get it? Well, it's like farmed fish. Like people, it's the one I know about. Because like, if you, if you go to a fish farm, right, and you go to like one of these sea salmon farms or whatever, they're horrible. It's like going to like. Do you know what I mean? It's a bleak. It's almost like like when you look at like a film of like a dystopian future, and it's like you got this little work, and they're just going around these salmon, and they're like going round and round, and they're just they're being fed the bones, the ground up bones of the salmon that they've been in there with, and like they've got yeah exactly, and they've got ticks and lice and these horrible parasites, and they're just they've they're no quality of life, and it's just disgusting like it's actually disgusting but they use the word farmed which farm yeah in other things is Mm. a positive word yeah i I actually don't think there's anything wrong with farming fish if you do it in the right way Mm. like it's like anything it's like no one's out there going oh this beef isn't wild like 
well, no, of course it's not. But that doesn't mean that it's a, you know, you can have, a, you can have a dodgy farm beef or uh, where it's like pumped full of shit and just, uh, or you can have beautiful grass fed organic. And that's the thing. And, and I think people don't understand that. So people, yeah, rightly a lot of the time stay away from farm fish, but what gives you the drive to be at the top of your game? Uh, I think it's just, uh, I just like cooking nice food. Like I know it's probably a bit, sort of base but like I just I really do like I just I like looking at the produce coming through the door and you still get that buzz though when yeah, the massive like, fish the big fish comes in yeah like, oh my god we had this bream the other day like a fishmonger texts me a picture of it in the morning he's like you need this in your life and it's like normally when you buy a he <laughs> was like oh, honestly awesome. like it's be- I'll show you a picture of it I mean, it's this beautiful gilt-head bream um, from Cornwall Lion Court like wild and you don't get gilts that much wild in Cornwall um, so to get that sent up was, it was amazing. And normally they're about sort of a kilo, maybe like one and a half at a push. This thing was three kilo. It was like enormous, like the most beautiful fish I've ever seen. And I just remember it's like, I took, uh, I took hours to prep it because I was just like, just pouring over this fish. I was just like looking at it like, I love you. You know what I mean? Like it was this gorgeous thing just sat on my bench for. Is that the day you got in at nine o'clock? Yeah, yeah, that was the one at nine o'clock. I got in early because of that. It was like Christmas running down, but, but no, that, that is what it is. And I just like, we always say like, it's called hospitality for a reason, right? And it is, it, it is the business of happiness. So people come here and it's like, well, they come to any restaurant and it's like, right, it's a birthday or it's an anniversary or it's like, it's a first... A once a year thing. Yeah, or yeah. I finally asked out that girl that I've fancied for ages and like, we're finally going on this first date or oh, I haven't seen my mum for ages. So we're good. That is, that's what it is. And it's like, it's such an instant gratification. Like you, you do something, you, 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 you work to make a product. You give that product to someone and then they tell you how much they like it. And it's that, that, that is the drive in. It is that, it is that simple that just, you know, we cook someone something nice, they eat it, they like it. And then we go again. Like, and that's, that, that's what the drive is. So really- where, where do you go uh, On your day out, off, yeah. outside of this restaurant, which mm. you obviously spend the majority of your time in? Is it, what places are you, are you raving about right now? Oh, what in London? Anywhere. I mean, anywhere. Yeah. So- say, what do you have a Monday off, right? Sundays and Mondays, yeah. So yeah. So what's the place you go out with your so, missus? Well, the, I mean the place, the place is, uh, I mean Lyles um, in Shoreditch mm. is just neck. It's always, it's I always been there. Yet. I've heard really, really it's good always, things. It's always fantastic. Um, the Marksman, I can't get enough of St John Bread and Wine, mm. um, or all, any of the St John restaurants actually are amazing. Um, Somsa in uh, in Brick Lane as well is brilliant. There's this amazing restaurant in York when I go out there called Scosh, um, and it's a little bit of a hidden gem, but it's like it's smaller plates, um, and it's just the guy's got a little bit of he's I think he's um, he's got a little bit of Indian heritage as well. So the way he does spices and stuff is just like you could just sit there all day and eat it. Mm. Um, what else? Cut. I mean, there's a mate of mine, Brad Carter, who's got a f- phenomenal restaurant in. Uh, in Birmingham, um, that's brilliant. Uh, when I go back to Cornwall, I mean, obviously Nathan's place is like at the top of the list. Like, um, Paul, Paul Ainsworth as well is amazing. Um, the coach in Marlow, like Tom Carriage's, not, not the hand and flowers. I mean, the hand and flowers is like, it's the hand and flowers in it. It's amazing, but I really, really just can't get enough of the coach as well. Um, 
Yeah, I mean it's a it's a big list. Black Axe Mango in in Islington like that. It's that's that's Everyone outrageous. Everyone loves that, don't they? Oh my god, it's pretty. But the Black Axe is like Black Axe is like a little bit more X-rated version of here. I think it is different in a lot of ways. Like the food is very different, and the and the style of music. But I can I can see shades of of this, and it was it it was an inspiration that like yeah. Lee, who's the chef, they're like you know he puts what he wants on on the radio, and he and he cooks things in the way he wants to cook, and like. All right, it's like, quite raw, yeah, isn't it? As well, you know, yeah, what I mean? it's exactly. Like, yeah, oh, nothing, but I can see, I can, it, you know, when we were looking at here, like that was, there was an inspiration to just be like that and just, just to have that sort of ballsy, like, just flavor-driven cookery in a setting that he wanted it to be. You know, he's got the, the front of the house where like Iron Maiden t-shirts, and he's got a big mural of Kiss on his oven, and that. it's just, I think, yeah, I love it. Do you know what I mean? But there's, I mean, there's so many, there's so much good dining in that. I mean, I wouldn't support Sabor if you haven't been to Sabor, like in, in, in. uh in Hedden Street by um by Nevers, who's a, a very very good friend of mine. Like her, I mean, honestly, like we talked about the sardines earlier and how like how that takes you on. I mean, that one you might as well get on a plane to go there and you end up in in, in uh, San Sebastian because honestly, it's just it is out. It's the best 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 restaurant in London. Wow, Sabor's best restaurant in London, hands down at the minute. Like it's it's incredible. It's amazing. I think like I think we should um I think we could wrap it up with a little quick fire round for Tom. Do you mind? So I think um you wanna should I go first? You go first, go on. Top three foods you couldn't live without. Uh lobster, scallops, oysters. Fish based. Look, yeah. go on, Benny boy. Food, guilty pleasure. Hellman's mayonnaise. You like a cornetto as well, don't you? Oh, I love a cornetto, mate. <laughs> it came in the first time you ever came around oh the show. God. I said yours last night, I said oh. I had one cornetto, then I thought, sod it. I had, I had a couple more. Yeah, <laughs> I just smashed in a free pack. I remember that. That was a good day. Right, top three bits of kit you couldn't live without in a kitchen. Uh, top three bits of kit. Fermo mix. It's always a nightmare when that goes down. Um, they're just the best blend. They get the smoothest things. Um, I mean, knife. I'm a bit of a cheat with, with the sharpness, so I use like the wheelie the wheelie bird sharpness like rather than a steel horrible noise oh, it's that they, noise they, I, don't, I just had rather they get it's like a pig dying isn't and, it? Oh, it's horrible and what else would I say then oh uh, same sized containers like, I know that's <laughs> I, I know that honestly that stack uh, perfectly together yeah if oh, I do, if I set OCD, if, I, if I set up in different si- shapes and sizes I know it's going to be a bad day like <laughs> I'll go, go round when we set up and if I haven't got the right ones I just start chucking all the prep out that the other lads have done and just sticking it in anything just so I can nick the tubs um, if you had the same meal every day what would it be? lobster resort out of orange and basil oh, a la Nathan oh, can you imagine what yeah. would happen to you if you had no, that every day I'll be, I'll be gone in three months but that'd be a good three months so this is the final one who would be your ideal dinner date dead or alive what would you eat and where would you take them? Oh, that's a big one. That that's mine. Sorry. Do you know what? I got two right. Go on, Arsene Wenger. Oh, I would love. I would just love to talk to him about the last twenty odd years <laughs> and just see what happened. And just, do you know what I mean? Like he's got, he's got a lot behind them eyes that he hadn't said. Oh yeah. Um, and just Alex Turner, obviously. Yeah. Like there's just them two. And where would you take him? And what would you eat? Where would I take him? There's a lovely restaurant in Hackney Wick actually called uh, Cornerstone. <laughs> no, um, uh, where would I go? I've got to go somewhere. I've got to go somewhere in France with uh, with Wenger, ain't you? So where would I go? 
I'll take it. There's, uh, I'll take him to, I'll take him down to the south of France and eat in one of the seafood restaurants mm. down there. That's, that's, I've forgotten the names of them now. And Alex. Just go together. I'll, I'll take him here. I've got to take Alex Turner here. Ain't he, have you, have you invited though. him yet or not? We try, well, we, we, we got, we got an, we got an email off the manager actually when we were, when we were first opening. It was like, I've got it framed somewhere probably, but uh, mm. we got an email saying, oh yeah, we've heard about that. Just wondering when we can book a table. Um, I was like, anytime, anytime ever, just come, just tell me when. Um, Tom, absolute pleasure. Brilliant. It's been brilliant. And, yeah, um, I've enjoyed it. Thanks. It just sounds, the, the restaurant and the food and the way you think sounds quality about, you know. Absolutely. Great Cheers. stuff. Thanks very much. Brilliant. Tom. Oh, I've had a great time. Stuff. Cheers, mate. Bye bye. Bye bye. Thank you very much, Yes Chef listeners. That was Tom Brown of Cornerstone in Hackney Wick. Yeah, thanks, Tom. That was great. And I think Jordan's actually got a bit of a man crush on you. I just think, um, I don't know if I put it out there before, but I reckon um, he's one of the best in the country. You've seen him on Great British Menu. My God, have you seen, do you see what dish he cooked? Absolutely, yeah, it was amazing. Poor man's goose. Just the name alone. Well, they got to the banquet. I just think he's a really good, a really cool guy. I've got a chef friend called Craig, and he did Great British Menu with him and said, one word to describe Tom Brown machine he wow. said he's an absolute machine he said for someone who's like what is he 30 about our age isn't he about th- well you're older than me a lot older hey, a little bit but, uh, six months <laughs> but he said um, he said um, he's an absolute machine for his age hey, I heard they had a famous guest on Saturday yeah I did too Matt Helderson the Arctic Monkeys hey, you set that up I think we would have got free fish for life if we'd have set that up but it was wicked but he said he'd give him four out of five um, anyway next week Tune back in, crack on, like, subscribe, tell a mate. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 